Hi, everyone. Welcome to the second ever episode of Scopes Podcast. Today, we have a panel with the Margolis Scholars. Specifically, we have three undergraduate Margolis Scholars and two graduate Margolis Scholars. For anyone who's interested in applying to the Margolis Scholars, the undergraduate application opens on November 30th and the application closes on January 3rd. For our medical students, the application opens on March 1st and closes on March 21st. And for graduate students, the application opens on April 1st and closes on May 2nd. I'll go ahead and let these scholars introduce themselves. And with that, we'll go ahead and begin our panel. Hi, I'm Megan. I'm a junior studying medical utilitarianism. I've been involved with the center since the summer after my freshman year, initially as a Huang Fellow. And then again, as a research intern last summer, I've been doing work with uh, cost effectiveness analysis, low value care, and then a lot of stuff related to COVID recently. Hi, everybody. I'm Josie. I'm currently a sophomore undeclared, but I've been thinking about either program two or a major in public policy with a minor in global health. Like Megan, I've been pretty engaged with the Margola Center for a bit, not as a scholar or an intern, but through student collaborative and health policy and through um, now BASS. And I've been really fortunate to work on a lot of COVID-19 initiatives and um, as well as partnering with Instacare 360, as well as building out a digital literacy program for older adults with the Help Desk Best team. And I'm really excited to say that I'm partnering with another Margolis scholar, Joanne, who wasn't able to make it today, but we're working on possibly launching a policy brief discussing the universality of website accessibility for auditory and visual disabilities in ethical tech. Hi guys, I'm Dana and I'm a sophomore and I'm not sure what I'm studying yet exactly, but I'm thinking about a program two or possibly an IDM with neuroscience and public policy. Um, so I started getting involved with the center over the summer um, when I was an intern and now as a Margolis scholar, I'm kind of continuing this work. So um, my Margolis work has been with the Population Health Management Office specifically, um, and a lot of it's been related to long-term care and the implications of COVID-19. And I'm also now on a BAS team, which is looking at the impacts of face coverings on patient-provider communication in older populations. Hi, all. My name is Jacqueline Nickpour. I am a, I'm actually a graduate student finishing up my PhD in nursing in March, and I have been involved with Margolis for the last two years or so. Um, my research is primarily focused on health workforce, specifically in roles and value related to nurses. Um, RNs and APRNs. So if there's any nurses in the room, hello. Um, I, through Margolis, have been involved in a lot of different projects. I've been involved in um, prior authorization reform, done a lot on value-based transformation. Recently, I've done a little bit of work with COVID, but also particularly related to the transformation of nursing's roles in the post-COVID era. So kind of all over the place, but I've had a ton of fun with it. I love working with the center and I love working with the other students across the across Duke. Hi, my name is Nikki. Um, I am a first year graduate student getting my master's in global health. And I've only recently started the Margolis Center um, this August, but I'm looking to get involved in research with value-based care. Welcome again to all of our scholars. You guys can sort of see that these scholars really do come from a wide area of disciplines, um, and there really is a place for a lot of people within the Margolis scholars community. And the first question that I would like to ask is, 
why did you apply to this program? And if we could start with the undergraduates and then go to the graduate students, that would be great. So I applied to the program because I'd already been involved in the center a lot, but I wanted to make sure I continued to be involved. Um, and then the program has done a really great job of just providing additional educational opportunities and workshops that have really helped build my health policy skills. Yeah, I think adding on to Megan's point, I was really looking for a network, so to say, in Margolis, a, a way to connect with graduate scholars, but also faculty and also fellow undergraduates who are interested in the same field as me. And um, I can talk about this later, but it's really helped me in generating ideas. Yeah. And for me, I think part of it was wanting to like supplement my coursework with more directly health policy related programming, um, in addition to all the networking aspects that Josie mentioned. Um, since like there isn't any sort of health policy major or anything existing, I thought that this was a good way to start to develop my own personal interests better as I'm navigating all of that as well. And to our graduate students, what sort of made this Margolis Scholars Program appealing to you, especially as you are maybe a little bit more defined in your degree path? Okay, um, I can try to answer that. Actually, it was the interdisciplinary nature that first caught my eye about Margolis. Contrary to what you might think, I am still not sure what I want to do. I am interested in health both at the clinical levels and at like policy, both community, state, national, and um, international levels. And Margolis has worked across all these dimensions. So I thought this would be a great way for me to get exposed to more of these as I try to figure out what I want to do. And I can add it as well. I think for me, being in the nursing school, uh, my research interests tend to be a little niche. I'm really interested in sort of the intersection of nursing clinical care and state and federal health policy. So this provided me an opportunity to, uh, as somebody said earlier, kind of supplement my more nursing focused dissertation and PhD program with something that was a little bit more on the policy spectrum so that when I'm when I graduate and when I go on to the job market, I kind of have a unique area of expertise that helps me to stand out from other candidates. Great, thank you guys so much. Our next question is: Could you briefly talk about what research you have conducted as a scholar, or if you haven't had a chance to get into research quite yet, just especially for our undergraduates? What have you started to do as a scholar um, in your scholar activities? And again, if we could start with the undergraduates and then go to graduate students. So my Margolis research work started over the summer when I was an intern. So my work fell under, as I said before, the Population Health Management Office. And I was working with um, long-term care policy and practices in skilled nursing facilities. So I submitted an IRB proposal to conduct a qualitative study inside SNFs, interviewing both patients and providers about like their experiences with isolation and COVID-19. So that's currently still in the works right now. And then the Margolis affiliated BAS team, which is the impact of face coverings on patient provider communication and patients with hearing loss. So we are currently developing the well, we just finished making the REDCap and the IRB protocol, and we're hoping to start collecting data within the next couple months and look at the policy implications of that as well. So my involvement in my, my research and projects, so to say, did get kickstarted this past summer. So this past summer, I worked with SCOPE in building out the Durham COVID resource directory, which was a one-stop shop toolkit that allowed community members to see the status of community organizations 
given that COVID was changing hours of operation, whether or not organizations were still running or not. And so um, I took my own independent turn on that when I built up a specific resource directory for older adults. And I think that really kickstarted my involvement with older adults and the disability population, especially um, as I have had previous experience and interest in interacting with access to healthcare, especially for persons with disability. And so that kind of led me to working with NC Care 360 um, as Charlotte and I were working on um, kind of making an intermediate website platform for COVID before NC Care 360 was um, really big and expanding to help desk. We started noticing some things that could be improved, such as translation and some networks were missing that we had in our resource directory that NC Care 360 did not. And so I'm currently working on trying to build out student engagement with that. How can we make the program or the platform more robust, as well as making sure the information on there is more accurate? And how can we facilitate organizations to correctly onboard into this program? Um, because the paperwork is a lengthy process. And I think that also parallels with my interest in, as I mentioned before, persons with disability, with website accessibility. You know, COVID-19, everything is online how you access healthcare can be just solely through online. So um, when we're talking about that, we also have to consider how can we increase access, especially for people with auditory and visual disabilities. And so that's something that um, I've been discussing and working on on the ethical side with Joanne, who is also a fellow scholar. And then my research interests have continued from freshman year, but have added a few things along. So I'm still working on the cost effectiveness analysis research that I started freshman year. Um, and we're getting pretty close to publishing a paper on how varying the perspectives and cost effectiveness analysis will vary the outputs and how misreporting the actual perspective used would lead to incorrect decisions from policymakers. And then I continued working on that both freshman summer and last summer, and I'm hopefully near the end right now. Another big project that I've been working on is a Bass Connections project on the global burden of hearing loss, and that's through the Lancet Commission. I spent the summer working on like preliminary projects and kind of helping get the Bass class sorted out for um, my research. And now as part of the Bass class, but also still doing some work on it on the side, we're trying to build a cost-effectiveness model on the different interventions of hearing loss and how the global burden of disease can be decreased with different testing and screening and intervention strategies. Yeah, I'll pose the same question to our graduate students. What kind of research have you guys been able to engage in through the Margolis Scholars programs? And or if not research, what other activities have you been able to engage in? Sure. So I think the biggest thing that I've been working on over the last year and a half or so is actually a project through um, Duke and UNC, but it's primarily hosted at UNC, which is looking at the supply and demand of the nursing workforce across the state of North Carolina, which in times of COVID is obviously very important to, to think about in the future. My sort of little slice of that has been looking at the supply and demand of nurses in more population health-based settings. So your primary care, your public health departments, schools, you know, all of that. So that's been a lot of fun to work on, very, very timely and relevant. Uh, so I really have enjoyed that. And this is another thing too, like was able to make some of those health policy connections and get on some of these projects even outside of the center, just through having connections at Margolis. So that's been the biggest thing that I've worked on a little bit earlier this year, a group of us did some work on prior authorization reform with Blue Cross Blue Shield North Carolina, which was a lot of fun. And then obviously more recently have been some, some COVID projects, like I mentioned earlier. So 
definitely a variety of things. It's that I actually had the opportunity, again, I'm in a graduate program. And so as I'm writing my dissertation, um, a lot of what I'm doing for, for that kind of overlaps with some of my Margolis activities. So like one thing, I had the opportunity to conduct a national survey of primary care nurse practitioners and understand how they're managing chronic pain, what prescriptions, medications they're using, what strategies they're using. Obviously, outside of the current pandemic of COVID, we're still in an opioid epidemic. So trying to dig under the surface with that as well. And then I had the opportunity to do some follow-up interviews later on. So that was a lot of fun. I actually brought in two undergraduate students to work with me on that. So again, definitely a variety of of different projects and interests. And it's just kind of nice to get to explore your own research interests, especially when you're so early in your career and trying to figure out what you're passionate about because health policy is so, so expansive. And I can add to that. Through the Margolis program, I've started getting involved with Path4CNC and working with complex health needs, um, trying to integrate care across multiple platforms for children with complex health needs in North Carolina. But in addition to all the research that everyone spoke about, A couple of the other activities that we engage in as scholars include journal clubs, which are led by um, other researchers um, talking about an article in their area of expertise, getting like a breadth of knowledge across the health policy world. And we also have Skills Lab and Dr. Mark McClellan did one on like the healthcare and the current political climate, what each individual's policies are looking like, kind of like breaking that down. Sometimes they're very relevant to the political situation that we're in. Um, Sometimes there are more like leadership skills or other like basic skills as well are a couple of the other things that we um, do as scholars. Great. Thank you all so much. And as you guys can see, really with Margolis Scholars Research, you can explore lots of different areas. And as Nikki brought up, there's so much more than just research as part of Margolis Scholars. So thank you for bringing that up. Our next question is how have you been able to spend your research internship stipend? And if you haven't been able to yet, I know for our undergraduates that summer um, stipend hasn't may or may not have kicked in yet. How would you hope to be able to spend that in the future? I can jump in uh, since I've had a little bit more time. I think I, so in the before times when we could go places, I had the opportunity to, to use some of those funds for conference travel and registration Now you can still use some of it for virtual conference registration. Uh, I know folks have mixed feelings on going to conferences online and, but I still think you can get some, some benefit for it. I actually last week attended the virtual health policy orientation through Academy health, which was really cool to kind of learn about not so much research, but more how health policy making happens on a federal and on a state level. So they brought in some, some really cool folks nationally to, to talk about that that was a really good opportunity. Another thing for my own research that I've been able to spend my dollars on is um, having my interviews that I did earlier this year transcribed, which if you're at all interested or involved in the qualitative research world or doing interviews, transcribing things takes forever and is incredibly tedious. So being able to hire somebody to do that was not only a great way to spend my research dollars to support my own interest, but also just an incredible burden lifted off of me. I know other folks have used their dollars to purchase data sets or to take classes outside of outside of Duke. I know that UNC has like a short course series through their, their social sciences institute, the Odom Institute. 
And those are on anything from research methods to specific topics. Typically, those are like a day, either a day long course or a two to three day long course that can run anywhere from 45 to 100 plus dollars. So having that be paid for is, is a really cool opportunity as well. I've done a couple of them. Thank you so much, Jackie. Our next question is, what are your most memorable parts of this program? I personally really enjoyed our most recent scholar skills lab. Yeah, I really liked it. It was um, talking about how to be a successful cross-cultural leader especially when you're working with um, different people from different backgrounds. And we had a really great open discussion about what type of leader you are. We took like a really cool quiz that was, I would say not most accurately, but kind of gave us a, gave us a general ballpark of our leadership style. And I thought it was a really valuable skill that extends not only in my Margolis experiences, but also um, other things here at Duke. And it was just really interesting to hear how graduate students viewed their perspectives as leaders in their fields. You know, I talked to someone in law, somebody in Sanford, in which it's really interesting to hear the different perspectives, but also reflect upon my own. I think just getting to know some of the folks from across Duke has been really valuable for me. Um, I think for graduate students, it's a little bit different. You tend to be a little bit more siloed. Um, There's less sort of cross-program interaction. And so for me, I've made not only great colleagues, but some of my really good friends from the MPP program or the law school or other programs across Duke, just from getting to work with them and work on projects with them. So that's just been memorable and a lot of fun on a personal level too. Yeah. I also wanted to add that we get these little pods, which are like comprised of people from different, like, so I'm the only undergrad and then there's a bunch of graduate scholars from various different programs. And I did get the chance to get like some socially distanced coffee with um, one of the medical students in my pod, which is really useful just to get some advice on his experiences and just like to get to know some graduate students, which otherwise is pretty difficult to do. So I just wanted to mention like that aspect also that you get to connect with a lot of people who have similar interests to you. Great. Thank you guys so much. Our next question is, how has the intersectional nature of the Margolis community redefined your understanding of health policy? Um, I can start with this one for a second. Um, I think it was in one of our recent either book clubs or scholar skill labs. We like broke out into breakout rooms and we're talking about financing models for the U.S. healthcare system. And one of the people in my group um, worked as a consultant in the healthcare system before. The the rest of us kind of didn't really have a good answer to the question. And then the other scholar who was pursuing the MBA and had all this experience in consultancy was able to just like explain to us step-by-step step a lot of these processes that we were all confused about. And it was just incredibly insightful and very helpful and eye-opening to have those different perspectives. And it was one of my favorite parts of the program so far is being able to have those conversations. I can add to that. I don't know if I would say it redefined, but it definitely added dimensions to my understanding of health policy. Through the Margolis program, I was made aware of a readings course through the law school on health inequalities, especially due to COVID. And um, upon taking that course, the topics, I've definitely discussed them with my fellow like global health and public health more specified individuals, but never from like law students through a law perspective. So it's definitely added to my understanding. Our next question is about your future directions. 
So what are the future directions on your involvement in Mercolis or your research or your career development? Or really, what do you hope to gain in the coming years as a Margolis scholar? So as an undergraduate, I'm still kind of figuring out what it is exactly that I want to do, both with my Duke experience and afterwards. So I think that firstly, connecting with other more experienced scholars who maybe are in graduate programs or like just have more experience in general um, has been really helpful. And also just attending the skills labs and the journal clubs and learning about like the current developments in health policy and connecting with faculty who are doing such interesting research is just kind of helping me shape what I'm interested in and develop a path for myself. And also the advising aspect is really nice to know that even like for summer, I recently had a meeting with my faculty advisor and started discussing some options. I just think that helping me get more set on a path is something that's really nice to gain aside from all of the other experiences as well. Yeah, I'm on a very similar wavelength as Dana said. I think the great thing about the scholars program is that it's so independently run. You do what you want with the program. It's what you make out of it. And so your project ideas can honestly pivot very quickly. I also wanted to point out, like I had a meeting with my faculty advisor this past week and I like came up with a whole new set of ideas that I didn't think I was going to go down in the direction of. So it's honestly very hard to say what I want to do in the future, but I know that it could be totally different from what I'm envisioning right now. Would any of either of our graduate students be able to offer like maybe some perspective on what do you think the next future steps for you are? Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, being in a PhD program, I am more looking towards like the academic tenure track faculty role. Uh, I'm graduating or I defend in March and I'm going from there into a postdoc. So my path might look a little bit different than like if you're an undergrad. But I think the really cool thing is that being in this program has definitely opened my eyes to other opportunities beyond academics. Even if I don't like even if I stay in an academic faculty track, I can at least be aware of other organizations that I can partner with on some of my work, ways to kind of get outside stakeholders involved so that I'm not just doing research and having it sit on a shelf. Um, actually having collaborations and partners who can help me translate my research into evidence and evidence-based practice. So I think that's a really valuable piece of it as well. And then also just opening my eyes to other non-academic career paths, which is a little bit more atypical, but I think is still really, really valuable and might end up being what I end up doing in the long run. Definitely a lot of options that you get uh, your eyes open to and folks who you'll meet in terms of your network who can help you with job placement after you graduate. Great. Thank you all so much. The first question from the chat is, does the scholars program assign you to a mentor or research project, or do you have the opportunity to request certain mentors or projects? Or how does this research project begin as an Arbola scholar? I think there's opportunity for you to present your own project ideas and then network with other scholars or faculty who are willing to support you on your initiative or there's opportunities to connect with other people who want to partner with you. And then in terms of like mentors, et cetera, I think Dana talked about this a bit. Um, we have the pod mentorship program. So you have like a cluster of four or five scholars, maybe four graduate scholars and then one undergrad and you're put together as sort of a, a family, so to say, and that's a one way to get connected. But honestly, there's you're not restricted to that one pod. There's plenty of opportunity to talk to more people beyond that. And one of our other questions from our listeners is for the undergraduate scholars, do you all have significant health policy related experience before applying? And if I could ask the three of you guys, what kind of health policy background did you have before applying? And did you need to have health policy experience to become a scholar? I 
didn't really have any policy experience. The only thing is I was in the science and the public focus program, which is how I even found out about health policy in general and what it was. So that's also how I found out about the scholars program. But I kind of just talked about the experiences that I had in my life and in my learning that got me interested in health policy in the first place and just how I kind of developed my science and society interests. And then more specifically, moving forward, what I hope to accomplish in the program. So I think it's less about the experiences that you've had and more about what you're hoping to get out of it. I would add on to that. I know this was more for the undergrads, but I would even add on what experiences you've had in your own life that have drawn you to health policy. A lot of us probably grew up watching health policy constantly on the news and kind of looked at ourselves and said, wait, this isn't right. So think about your own sort of trajectory and what got you interested because you are mostly young people, undergraduates, maybe some grad students who are still just kind of starting out and figuring out your own path. So I think that motivation and that interest to be involved in something like Margolis is more valuable to you now than what you can list on a resume or a CV. Another one of our questions um, that's a little bit more logistics, but I'm sure the listeners on this podcast would like to know about is, what is the weekly time commitment like for regular programming outside of independent research, both for graduate and undergraduate students? Typically, our programming is in the form of, I think earlier some folks mentioned the skills labs, which are kind of like these monthly meetings where each month we focus on a different sort of topic um, and then journal clubs, which are kind of similar, but more like reading focused. So those are more programming opportunities that are kind of available to you in addition to Each year, we work on sort of a group project that isn't as awful as it sounds, I promise. And it's where we all kind of come together and put on some sort of event for related to health policy. Um, I think a couple of years ago, they had a panel based on drug pricing with folks from around Duke and I think some outside of Duke as well. Last year, obviously, in light of COVID, we weren't able to come together and have an actual event. But what we ended up doing is the scholars released a series of online reflections where Some of us got in groups together and we wrote about different topics that were related to health policy in a pandemic. And we actually did this um, in collaboration or sort of under the guise of the the partnership for Healthy Durham, which is a very community-based organization that, as you can tell in the name, does a lot with more local-based health here in Durham. So they have different priorities related to health care and health, which are things like housing, affordable care, access to care, food security those kinds of things. So a lot of what we wrote about was related to, to those sort of priorities for the partnership. Throughout that process, and really even throughout the year, we kind of build up that relationship between the Margola Scholars and the PEG, which was a really cool experience, but that did take a little bit of time. So we kind of went above and beyond last year when we did that. That's not to say that, that that's always going to be the case. We're kind of figuring out what we're going to be doing this year right now. So I would say on a given month, it's probably somewhere in like the five-ish hours of programming monthly, uh, give or take some. When there's finals, there's probably a little bit less versus when we're really gearing up for this event in the springtime, there's probably a little bit more, but it's definitely very, very doable. And I think most events are recorded. So even if you can't make it, they're recorded so you can always catch up on things too. So definitely not something that's like overbearing where you're spending 10 hours a week doing Margolis programming or anything like that. As a sort of follow-up, are there any participation requirements as part of the program or are each of these opportunities that you've discussed available as 
opportunities, but not necessarily required. I do think that they want you to be a part of the programming, like the the skills labs and, and things like that, because those are kind of designed with the students in mind, right? Like they're not just like some event that's happening that it's like, hey, you should go check this out. Like they're actually designed for us. So I do think they really want you to go to those. But again, we're all people, I think in light of COVID, we kind of have to give each other a little bit of grace. So if you're like, listen, I'm really stressed out. I have X midterms and papers or whatever due in the next couple of weeks. You can talk to your faculty advisor and they're typically really understanding about things like that. Great. And I have one last question for you all. And that is, why do you think others should apply to this program? I think that you should apply to the program because the skills labs and the journals clubs and all of the opportunities to engage with other scholars have really broadened my understanding of health policy. Coming from an undergraduate perspective and having my understanding of health policy really just shaped by the courses I've taken, it's been a great opportunity to reflect with people who have actually worked in these fields and have a bit more experience than I have. So from an undergraduate perspective, it just absolutely expands what you're able to learn while you're here at Duke. Adding on to what Megan said, I think there's no really one way to study health policy here at Duke. We don't have a health policy major. We don't have a certificate yet or even a minor in public policy that's available. And so I was looking for something that was a little bit more robust. And I think if you're looking to like expand extracurricular wise, your research-based interest in health policy, this is a great way to facilitate that. Yeah, similarly to what Josie said, really true about how this is kind of like, as she said, a more robust way to get involved in health policy that's not through a major or coursework or anything. And also, I think that the skills labs and networking opportunities are things that you can't really find elsewhere um, if you're not, I guess, part of this program, because um, it's just like really given me access to a lot of resources, both people-wise and information-wise, which has just been really valuable. For our graduate students, why do you think this program would be benefit to graduate students applying? And why do you think that graduate students should apply to be marvelous scholars? Sure. I would say, so we've we hit on a lot of points today, right? Like the learning opportunities that are available, the resources that are available are world-renowned. You get to work with a ton of awesome faculty and learn a lot of new skills. I think it will really help you um, kind of beef up your resume or your CV if you're looking to go to grad school or even just looking on the job market to things that are available. I think this is an excellent opportunity for that. And even just broadly, like, I mean, we all know healthcare sucks in this country. So having the opportunity as as young people, right, like it's going to be our generation that kind of comes in and fixes some of these really difficult problems. I think, again, the other thing too, is the interdisciplinary nature of it. You know, you're going to be collaborating with folks from all different departments across the school and that sort of interdisciplinary nature and bringing folks different skills and uh, backgrounds together is really valuable because these are complex problems that we're looking at. So yeah, no, I think there's lots of great reasons to apply. Yeah. And just to echo off of that, Margolis provides you with the opportunities to work on current research and taking classes like you're not going to get the same opportunities the same way. And also another thing that's great about the program are the seminars and the opportunity to listen to tidbits on what everyone is working on. So we're invited to the same seminars where faculty share their own work. So I feel like I'm getting a good understanding of the current work that's happening in the program, which is pretty reflective on where the literature and what's currently going on in the entire country as well. I don't know how I forgot to talk about the seminars because the seminars are some of my favorite things that we do. Um, 
you can, again, you can go and listen to, to the presentations that are happening. You also have the opportunity once you get further along to present your own work. I did that in July, I want to say. So where I had the opportunity actually before a conference presentation to get some feedback and say, you know, what are your thoughts on this? What should I emphasize more? So you're not only sharing your work and disseminating in in that way and getting that experience, but you're also getting feedback on, hey, this part was really interesting. Um, I wish you kind of emphasized it a little bit more so that when I went into my conference, I was really prepared to to give a well-rounded and a much better presentation. Thank you once again to the scholars who offered their time to participate in this panel. And thank you to our listeners. We hope that you learned a little bit more about this Margolis Scholarship Program. If you would like any more information, you can go to healthpolicy.duke.edu backslash scholars to learn more about the Margolis Center and the Margolis Scholarship Program. Thank you all so much and have a great rest of your week.